This Memorial Day episode is dedicated to all the men and women who paid the ultimate price for our country. The willing sacrifice of our heroes is what allows us to live in a country where we can all live in freedom, where we can work and strive for a better tomorrow, and where dreams are always a part of our reality. And we recorded the majority of this episode before the horrific shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And we do understand that to some people, the concept of thoughts and prayers in a moment like this seems almost dismissive. We disagree. And while we did donate to the Los Verdes Supporter Group, a group out of Austin, Texas, that's raising money for the families affected by the shooting at Robb Elementary, we also offer our thoughts and our prayers and our love to the people of Uvalde. We shot our 12th film, Disassociationville, in Sabinal, Texas, and the level of support and love and excitement from the Uvalde community that we could see in volunteers on the set and people just coming out to watch and the coverage in the Uvalde newspaper, they made us feel like part of their community. And so we really do grieve for them and with them, and we hope that they find some level of comfort in this very difficult time. And welcome to Let's Get To. I'm your host, James Christopher. It is Memorial Day, and I love that this has become an annual tradition to have a special Memorial Day episode. And again, this is our fourth one in a row. I look at Memorial Day in a lot of ways, and the first one, I think it's an opportunity. And it's an opportunity for us as a country to reflect on the fact that we have a lot of gifts a lot of privilege is how you might put it, but we have a lot of opportunities that other countries don't have because we have a, a history of military service of men and women volunteering to die for those things. And Memorial Day is definitely my time to reflect on that, both as a broad concept, but also reflecting on friends of mine that I lost that aren't coming home, that will always have the proverbial, their families will always have the empty chair at, at, at holidays and things like that. One of the things also to remind everyone about it is the distinction between Memorial Day. You know, it's not a happy Memorial Day situation. Uh, Memorial Day is not about vets. It's not about people currently serving. It's really about, again, those who paid that ultimate sacrifice for this country. And one of the things that you have to be careful of if you do sort of say, first of all, happy Memorial Day, or even a, a thank you for your service to a vet, you run the risk of catching them at the wrong moment when they're reflecting on those things. Um, I am proud to be a veteran. I wear that on my sleeve. Actually, in this instance, I'm wearing it on my shirt, my veteran-owned Let's Get Two t-shirt. I'm very proud to have served Um I had a career that was cut short due to injury and dealt with a lot of stuff because of that. So I had the sort of stuff from service on top of the sort of stuff from seeing good friends of mine like Eric Adair go off to war and I wasn't there to have their back. Like it's it's a thing that I struggled with up until they got home. One of the things that it got me thinking about, though, was how I sort of contextualize or deal with my service when it fits into the world of baseball. And 
you know, baseball, it's the cliche. It's mom, you know, baseball, apple pie. That's America. Um, I have a t-shirt that you can buy. Shameless plug. Speaking of shameless plugs, by the way, I'm wearing the Corpus Christi Blue Ghosts hat, which you'll hear from a little bit later in this episode. And if this segment feels a little all over the place, it is. Um, I intentionally kept it a little less structured because I really wanted to speak about what I was thinking and feeling. Um, baseball is very important to me, and it was very important to my adjustment back to civilian life from the military. It was important while I was in the military, when I was near a minor league ballpark, it's where I went. Um, I've never seen the Oklahoma City Dodgers, but I've seen the Red Hawks and I've seen the New Orleans Zephyrs from back in the day. So baseball was always part of my life as a soldier. And I think it's become much more important to me as a veteran. One of the things that I'll always cherish is my time during the anthem, the two to two and a half to three minutes, depending on how Mariah Carey they want to get. But it's my time to stand there at a position of attention and render a hand salute and think about where I go is two friends of mine still here, but also not here that I served with. And I say where I go because what happens during the anthem is super personal to everyone there. And vets are a very dynamic, diverse group of people. Uh, we have men and women. We have gay and straight. We have all the, the American mosaic is reflected in the military. And so there's this assumption out there that I stand for the flag and I salute it. But it also means that therefore... I get upset when anybody protests it through the taking of a knee. And I know it's less of a, of a topic these days, but I thought it was still worth bringing up. I don't get offended when people kneel for the flag, especially the way the majority of the protests have been. It's quiet. It's not, not taking away from my moment that I'm having with the flag. Because again, to, the flag can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So it does not take away from my moment to reflect on friends and, and my past and all that stuff. So it doesn't bother me. It bothers me that not everyone sees the flag I, the way I do. Um, and that's not necessarily for bad reasons. And it bothers me that, that people feel the need or there is a need for people to kneel during the national anthem. So no, it doesn't bug me when I see it happening. What does bug me is people, you know, still doing their hot dog during the anthem or still talking or basically taking away from my moment with the flag because of their selfishness before that for them not even reflecting on the fact that it's happening for not even having the self-awareness to say, all right, well, I don't care, but maybe the guy next to me does. So for two minutes, I don't have to order the beer in the concession stand or I don't have to put ketchup on the hot dog. And yeah, ketchup goes on a hot dog. Don't, don't at me about that. So that's actually the stuff that bugs me. It isn't necessarily um, the acts of protest for the reasons I just explained. And especially when you factor in that one of the most important rights that Americans fight and die for is the freedom of expression. And that is a part of freedom of expression. So I do appreciate those of you who stuck with us during this talk about Memorial Day and the flag. And I know that it's not going to make everyone happy. And hopefully you at least wanted to hear me out. And, you know, if you have a different opinion, feel free to message me. Uh, my DMs are open on Twitter or leave a comment on 
the YouTube because I definitely want to hear what you think, but, but that's sort of where I sit and I'm proud to be an American. I love this country so much despite the flaws and despite the fact that the America was never meant to be a finished concept that was always meant to keep improving and building on itself. And I know that we're in a real time of crisis and I just hope that maybe we can use the unity that often comes with the flag to bring people together whether you agree with how I observe the flag or how someone else does. So again, thanks for listening. And, and we're going to keep the series going like we do every year. We'll be back on 4th of July and on Veterans Day to talk about and talk with vets and other people in, in sort of what baseball means to them and how it ties into their patriotism. Let's Get To presents Swinging for the Fences, inspirational stories from the game of baseball. All right, so we are back here. We've got another special Swinging for the Fences segment because both Paul Caputo and Eric Mertens are here. However, before we jump into that, um, you know, the show is shot in segments. I've actually shot the beginning and the ending um, already, and so I didn't have a chance to reflect on this, but I do want to send out um, I know saying thoughts and prayers and something like this is not is, is sort of mocked these days, but really um, to the people of Uvalde, and they are a community that is um, in a lot of pain after the shooting at Robb Elementary School. Um, those of us that are in Twitch It Off of Media, we actually shot a film in um, Sabinal, which is five minutes from Uvalde, and we had volunteers and press and all that stuff. And it's a it's a it's a beautiful community, and we're just our thoughts are with them. This is awful and, and really enough's enough. Yeah. Thanks James. That's, it was such an unbelievable tragedy. So I just, I don't know. I don't have anything to add, but thank you for saying that. Yeah. Well, we are going to, you know, proceed with our segment and um, you know, this is our Memorial day episode and we are going to talk a little bit about some of the fun looks and, and, you know, Eric, you're, you're wearing one, but um, Paul, we'll start with you. Um, mm -hmm. what makes like, and what are some of the, what makes some of these sort of armed forces themed looks work for you? And what are some of the highlights that, for this year? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, as, as you know, it's, I mean, they're, they're doing a lot more on armed forces day than, than on Memorial day for, you know, for reasons that are evident to people who understand those holidays, right? Like that the armed forces day is a much more appropriate day to be, to be wearing these things. And so we saw a lot more of that this year. I'll tell you the ones that that I I mean, I think they did a good job this year with the templated ones. I mean, if it's if it's a, a thing that you like, if you like the camo, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, I think did a good job with with their hats. It's always a little incongruous to me, the the mismatched colors like and that's true of any of these themed hats. Right. Like when yeah. every team is wearing the same color there's bound to be some, some that don't work with, uh, with, with the, you know, the rest of the, the brand. Um, so the ones that really stood out to me this year, the ones that I liked a lot were the ones where they incorporated some of the team colors into the actual armed forces, uh, uniforms that they wore. Uh, I'm actually wearing James, you sent me this hat, my Sugarland space Cowboys cap right now. And the space Cowboys, I think actually did one, um, that, that I thought was particularly good, right? Because they used their own team colors. They have the sort of camo pattern on the side. 
but the, you know, the front of it uh, is, you know, it's all green and then they've got the space cowboys in their regular font. So it's a more sort of, I think with some of these, they can really be sort of overdone. Um, and so uh, to that end, the Frisco Rough Riders did one that, that I really liked. It was sort of a, a largely sort of flat tan. And then they've got the camo pattern in their RR logo. So, you know, those, those are a couple that stood out. This uh, the second year in the road too, that I think Frisco really had a good look because we were there for mm-hmm. Armed Forces Day. And yeah, uh, just to piggyback on Paul, like, yeah, uh, Memorial Day is more of a somber day. It's not really something you celebrate, but also the logistics of it are is not everybody in minor league baseball isn't even playing on Monday. Um, right. Eric, I see that you're wearing the Tri-City Dust Devils uh, Armed Forces Day lid. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to do on this segment is sort of ping pong between the logistics of it all, but also the emotional angle to this um, being a vet being in, you know, minor league baseball is a big deal for me because I felt home. Um, what do you see, Eric, when you guys are doing stuff that deals with the military in tri cities, like how is that usually generally received? Yeah. Well, first, thanks for letting me jump on with you too. Uh, that's a, uh... You mean because I can get you time zones, right? No, no, no. It's an honor just to be invited to hang out with you two. And I'm not saying that facetiously. It really is. Um, I I actually was thinking about this. Um, What what I love, as as we all do about minor league baseball, is the hyper-local experience. And then it's connected nationally and internationally, too. But here in the Tri-Cities, you know, we're we're not close to a military base like a lot of minor league teams are. Um, but we have an interesting history. Um, the Tri-Cities really boomed after World War II, partly because of the Manhattan Project, which brings mm-hmm. in all sorts of moral and ethical um, issues and questions. But a lot of people served their country here in the Tri-Cities um, out at the Hanford nuclear site. And so there is this history of um, self-sacrifice, of service, of um, American ingenuity. Um, And now, you know, we are a more intercultural, international community. And so there's those questions about about the history of of nuclear things. But um, when we do play on on days that celebrate our our service women and men, um, sometimes I get the honor of um, being on the mic and saying, you know, when we announce your your, um, branch please stand up. And I know a lot of minor league teams do that, but it's always surprising me because, you know, I try to be fun and energetic and silly and funny out there, but it gets very emotional very quickly. And um, we see old people struggle to stand up and then young veterans help them stand up. And um, we go through the different branches and we play the songs and um, that's a beautiful thing. So here in the Tri-Cities, we have this unique combination of of um active service members veterans and then also this other side of american history that um that's cool to see it's interesting you brought up the song because again frisco did that um last year and i think minor league baseball actually helps me helped me embrace my veteranness right so mm-hmm. when i got out um i didn't want to think about it i didn't want to talk about it i didn't want to just i just wanted to move on to the next phase and what was probably a mistake in my film career is it being a veteran owned company was never mentioned at all. And probably actually I could have maybe gotten some headway because of that. Obviously with let's get to, we've changed that, but you're right. And, and sometimes I I remember like Jessica making me stand up 
and I was did it begrudgingly. And then you get halfway through the song and you see all of that. And yeah, it's emotional and you have people coming up and, and, you know, and, and, you know, when I do the flag, I, and as, as you will see, Paul, I render a hand salute. I don't put my hand over my heart, which is something Mm -hmm. I get to do as a vet. And it it is an emotional moment. Uh, It's also an emotional moment when someone tries to be Mariah Carey and the uh, anthem goes a minute longer than it needs to be. (laughs) A different kind of emotion. It's not a dirge. Yeah. (laughs) Scott McIntyre is always so funny. This is not a veteran friendly national anthem. Uh, Paul, you're you're, like, Eric isn't, but you're surrounded by military bases Mm -hmm. where you are. Kind of. Uh, when you're at ball games, I mean, what level of presence do you see, particularly on days like Fourth of July or Vets Day or I guess not Vets Day, Armed Forces Day or Memorial Day? For sure. Yeah. So I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is about an hour north of Denver and just an hour south of Denver. We have Colorado Springs and there's obviously the Air Force bases there. And so there is Space Force. And Space Force. <laughs> it was right here in Colorado. Uh, so, yeah, there's obviously a, a big military presence, especially you know, back in the day when I would go to Colorado Springs Sky Sox games and then now the Rocky Mountain vibes, right? Like, cause they are right in the thick of Colorado Springs, which is a, a deeply military culture down there for sure. Fort Collins and Denver are slightly, you know, less so, but uh, you know, absolutely for sure. You can feel that, uh, that patriotism, right? Like you, you can feel the connection to the armed forces and the, and the pride that exists in that, uh, in that culture, very much a part of Colorado Springs, not just at the ballpark, but everywhere you go for sure. Um, and I was glad that Eric mentioned the the different branches, right? Because one of the one of the brands I was going to point out, or one of the teams that I think did a particularly good job with their brand this year, was the Rocket City Trash Pandas. And you know, they, I mean, you know, I realized that NASA. You, I mean, you mentioned Space Force, but NASA is not one of of our armed forces right but there's so much in that sort of huntsville madison area right that is that is you know in our armed forces and you've got the strategic defense and the defense investigative services and the army army strategic defense and the marine corps reserve training center and so there's i mean there's a long list of of things that exist there and so in a place like madison alabama to, to represent Armed Forces Day in this very sort of understated way that they did. I'm sure there was a ton of pride just, you know, similar to like a Colorado Springs where there's a large presence of, of military installations. One of the things that I was, I want to ask both of you guys, and it's sort of a silly question, I guess, but, you know, the, the go-to always is Armed Forces Day, let's do camo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But why don't we see a lot of inspiration from like the Navy or the Air Force where... Yeah. You have different looks. I, I think that I think it would be much more interesting other than this sort of just sort of basic. It's easy. Um, you know, one year, I guess they did all of drab and black, which was kind of neat. But mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder why we don't see an inspiration drawn from like the, like the Navy. You could do a lot of really cool stuff. Right. Yeah. Which is well, I'm... somewhere, Paul, by the way. <laughs> we call that a segue. <laughs> when you were asking that question i think of those great college football games when army and navy and air force play and sometimes they get really creative with the helmet and, and jersey designs um and then i was uh you know being up here in the northwest the northwest league we have the everett aqua socks which are a great organization by the way good people there cool city mm-hmm. um but i remember looking at some behind the scenes drawings from brandy when they were helping everett um 
renew their brand and revamp their look. And they drew a lot from the Navy and Boeing, um, which are really big in the North Seattle area. And some of the logos that were used and some that weren't really drew on that kind of Navy, Navy element, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah, you guys. just, oh, that's Look at this guy, right? See you. Why was that team not just called the Norwich Narwhals though? I mean, it, the, the, the opportunity for alliteration was right there, <laughs> right there. And, it, and, um, and uh, yeah, but anyway, Paul, I'm sorry. You were, you were, well, I was going to say the danger is, and I think you see some people react against the sometimes the military themed uniforms because it is just this one sort of trope that they trot out over and over the camo, right? Like, and it's like, okay, let's, let's do something different. Cause there's so much cool visual stuff that you could draw on from, you know, from different military branches. And um, obviously you're wearing the blue ghosts cap right now, James, which is just one of the best alternate identity uh, identities that's out there from the, the Corpus Christi hooks. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's obviously, you know, the, there are other branches of the military that you could be drawing from, <laughs> I guess is, is the thing, right? Like, and, you know, visually the air force is interesting. The Marines are interesting. I mean, for, for sure. Right. Like, so, so yeah, so I agree with that assessment. I don't know the answer to that question, except for it's visually, it's easily recognizable. Like right away, you recognize that camo, you recognize that it's, you know, there's, there's almost as, as immediate an association with patriotism with that camo pattern or various camo patterns as there is with, you know, the stars and stripes patterns that you see on, on things. Yeah. Well, especially this year's hats that combine them both with the stars and stripes mm-hmm. in the logo. And the oh, I didn't know that that was, I didn't know that that was part of that. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Actually that now changes my entire opinion <laughs> on the hat. The uh, uh, the Pelicans, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans do a really good, their jersey is really good. It's got the Pelican script. So they've got the camo jersey and then they've got the stars and stripes and the Pelicans lettering. Uh, and that's that actually, for whatever reason, that's the one that stood out to me when I was looking at all, all the different ones on, on Armed Forces Day. Of course, it's shocking, and I'm being sarcastic here, that minor league baseball still does it better than MLB. <laughs> um, Let's just throw some green hats and socks on and rock and roll. Cause they used to at least do an alternate Jersey. And I guess they haven't done that in years. Right. That's Mm-mm. right. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It's funny with these alternate brands, right? Like when a signature moment happens in an alternate brand uh, and this is, you know, this is not military themed, but Nolan Arenado, when he was still on the Rockies hit for the cycle and the, he finished the game all like bloodied up. Like he had a big, like gash on the side of his face and he hits a home run to, to win the game. And, and he also hit for the cycle with that home run. And there's this picture of him at the, at home plate after he hits it. And he's like, ah, and he's got this like powder blue cap on because yeah. it's father's day. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I was just thinking about that because so many, um, well, Mariners in the past years, but so many players on all major league teams get called up early in the season and I, there's some famous video, I forget who, of a Mariners player making his debut on Jackie Robinson Day, which is beautiful. What a great day to do that. But everyone's like, all right, that's the new guy. What number is he? Oh, he's number 42. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> or they have the pink Mother's Day hat on. Yeah. I was trying. I, I'm, I'm, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm over here trying to do research because, oh, my God, I've forgotten what team it was. And they were so gracious to get me their jersey. The vendor gave it to me. Maybe it's, Actually, it's probably better I don't mention the team because the vendor sort of – slid it to me at the winter meetings, but oh. 
It was um, it was for, for the anniversary of D Day, and so, so basically, no, um, yeah, it was D Day. So basically, the jersey was made up of images from D Day with newspaper writing on the sleeves, and it was wow. actual photographs, and it was awesome. And I've seen like Iwo Jima with the same thing, where you see it's basically the monument. I think it's an, again another way to kind of take a much different and cooler step in that direction. Yeah, there's a lot more they could be doing visually. I'm obligated to mention since you mentioned D Day, my mother was born on D Day proper, June 6, 1944. And the doctor who delivered her, his son was uh, in the invasion. Did he get oh out of Did he make it through? He made it through the invasion, but not the war. Oh, my word. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild, though. Yeah, D-Day proper. Yeah, mom tells that story all the time. That's that's nuts. Well, yeah. unfortunately, we're just about out of time. Um, real quick, though, I know that we've all got some travels coming up. Where can people start to see you guys on the road? Paul, where are you going to be next? Well, okay, I'll tell you where I'm going to be next, and, but I'm going to, but then I'm going to tell you where I am super most excited to be later on this season. Next, uh, we have the the Curved Brim Media, uh, James, of which you are a part. Um, we have a, a gathering that sort of started organically, uh, where I just put out on Twitter that I wanted to see a, a two-stadium doubleheader uh, in the same city that I had never done before. So I put out on Twitter that on Saturday, June 11, I was flying to Minnesota in the morning, and I was going to see a Twins game at one o'clock in the afternoon they're playing the race <laughs> and then the saint paul saints have a game at seven o'clock that night Man. so i put that out on twitter and it grew into this thing where we've got like 20 people going to uh to two games <laughs> oh, with that's us. so cool <laughs> i would i thought i was gonna do it by myself <laughs> um so i've got that uh, i've got my baseball palooza trip coming up in august but the other trip in august uh that i have coming up is uh on August 23rd, I am dropping my oldest child, my daughter, Olivia, off at Gonzaga University. Yeah. And the uh, so basically what I understand is I'm going to drive like 14 hours to Gonzaga, move my daughter into her dorm. And then Gonzaga basically just wants you to, like, make yourself scarce. They're like, OK, we've got it from here. <laughs> so I am I am going to. I am going to carry myself to yeah, Pasco, Washington. <laughs> exactly. You're not needed here. So I'm going to carry myself to Pasco, Washington to visit with not only Eric Mertens, but his lovely fiance, Karina. And yes. we are going to go to a uh, Tri-City Dust Devils game on August 24th for the my very first time ever. I finally get to go to a Tri-City Dust Devils game. That's, that's the I, game I'm most looking forward to. That is a game. But let me tell you some other games that I'm going to, James. We have the aforementioned Colorado Springs. Uh, we're going to be seeing the Rocky Mountain vibes. You and I together wow. are going to Colorado oh. Springs to see the Rocky Mountain vibes. You're living the dream this summer. And then, <laughs> and then on July 8th, you and I, James. See, it's two games, so I couldn't just single out one that I was right, looking forward right. to most, right? <laughs> the, uh, the other is on July 8th. We're going to uh, the Gem City Bison, and I get to talk James' ear off about why Laramie, Wyoming, is called the Gem City, and everything that it has to do with Thomason Edison and or Thomas Edison and the uh, Thomason. I said Thomas Edison and the filament light bulb. So I'm so excited you. now, Eric. Where are you heading? I know outside of when you're working. Yes, man, I can't wait for August 24th. <laughs> When the Baseball by Design host visits the Tri-City Dust Devils, just like the Let's Get Two host visited last yeah. summer, 
Oh my gosh. Oh, you've already been there, Jane. I did. We, I took the fam. It was fun. I get to go to games with both of you guys in like in the next couple of months. How awesome is this? Good. This is very awesome. I'm I'm excited. Um, I just so the past, you know, the last few weeks of the school year for those of us who work in schools are pretty tough. And uh, during my lunch break, the way I get through it is I get on baseballmapper.com and I just daydream <laughs> about where I can go. So finally, yeah, you too. <laughs> finally, Karina and I are putting the finishing touches on our um, ballpark road trip. Now we're getting married in September. So mm-hmm. we were like, can we even afford this right. like, pre-honeymoon? But we are, we're turning into a pre-honeymoon. This is what we're doing. Um, we are flying into St. Louis in the middle of June, staying with my best friend, who, by the way, shout out to Putty, my best friend. Um, he did not really enjoy baseball until he moved to St. Louis. He's been on trips with me and he'd always be like, just leave me in the car, go visit your ballpark. Um, <laughs> be in the car. But now he's got like a Cardinals Jersey. And I saw him like wearing a Cardinals hat in a photo. I was like, what the hell happened to you? I love it. Mm. Um, so we're doing St. Louis and Kansas city Royals. And then all the minor league teams in Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. That's wow. can't wait going to be awesome the yeah. cardinals and the negro leagues baseball museum yes definitely okay. yeah it, our day in kansas city is going to be the monarchs the negro leagues baseball museum and the royals all on the same day yep <gasps> well not not a game with the monarchs just stop oh, by okay. their ball. okay yeah. okay i thought you had the day night double header as well <sighs> not this time. if only and I think I'll wrap this up with with so I actually already leaked this news to Eric Mertens, but I'm personally very excited uh, that my wife is getting to take a sabbatical in June of 2023, 2023. Oh, and so we will be doing our Alaska trip. And I don't know, I'm just excited for her to be able to actually do all these trips. Um, guys, thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, let's get to it's been a it's always a great segment with both of you. I really appreciate it. Thanks James, you're the man. Me. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We were actually letting go of Paul and Eric, and we've got another great segment with Patrick. But I know that, Patrick, you don't have a hat. What can we no. do to fix this? I got well, you, I hope Patrick. someone has one that I can use. I got you. You have one you can use, Eric, maybe? You know it. Go Dust Devils. Here we go. Oh, oh Eric, thank that. you so much. What? I appreciate that. What's, what's this? Is this a Dust Devils Arm Forces Day hat? You know it. It looks much better on you, too. Oh, man. No, it looks better on you, my friend. But thank you for letting me borrow your hat. All to right. get to borrow something from a minor league celebrity is just an honor. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I, I'm humbled that I can wear, like, game-used Eric the Peanut Guy but merch. Peanut Guy sweat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, good. Well, All right, well, well, you know, now I'm really set for this segment that I'm going to do with Jim because I've got, like, MILB celebrity gear ready to go. I love it. And that means we have to say goodbye to Paul and Eric. Party uh, games. Your hero, Eric, your hero. Pat, I'll see you in Minnesota. Sounds good, Paul. I look forward to it, my man. All right, Patrick. So first of all, yeah, you are Patrick Larson, another member of Curb Rib Media. Um, before we jump into it, yes, you are wearing your Tri-City Dust Devils hat. What shirt? It's, it's, it's like the Oscars, Patrick. Who are we wearing? <laughs> well, Jim, I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> we are wearing the Missoula Paddleheads of the Pioneer League. And, and, you know, you've got to love, and I love your let's get to veteran owned shirt, which, you know, first of all, thank you for your service. Yeah. And, um, you know, thank you to everyone out there that, that, that has served or is serving and their families, uh, really means a lot. My hat 
the Blue Ghost. The Corpus Christi Blue Ghost, which look at this, you're going to be shocked. I'm going to reveal this on the show for the first time. Okay. It's an adjustment. What? what? They just now, I've just ordered the thir- the first 3930 they've ever made with the Blue Ghost. So this was like, I guess I'll get this because I have the two fitteds up top. But Right. Um, Did you get the all gray? Is it an all gray colorway for the 3930? Yeah, it's the graphite in Battleship yes, Gray. graphite. Basically, yeah. Okay. Very so, good. Patrick, you're on for a lot of things. And we'll talk a little bit about your show in a second. But yeah. you had the opportunity to sing the national anthem for the Gwinnett Stripers, which is, first of all, one of my favorite teams. I I, I made I went to a Gwinnett Stripers, Stripers game. I did a Holy Thursday of, in one day, Gwinnett Stripers, Atlanta Braves, Chattanooga Lookouts. Oh, whoa, look at you. That was nuts. But talk, first of all, <laughs> tell me, how did that even come about? I mean, are you a singer? I mean, how did this okay. even come from? So the team back like in January, like a lot of teams, they kind of reach out and say, you know, anyone that wants to sing the national anthem uh, at a game can try out. So I kind of saw the email come across and I was like, you know, that's kind of always been on my bucket list. So why not submit a video uh, to to try out? And uh, so I recorded myself doing the national anthem and tried to make sure I wasn't off key and um, and send and send it in and you know, then weeks went by, you know, how busy minor league teams are sure. and staffs are in the off season. And, you know, I, I didn't hear anything back. I didn't, I figured, uh, you know, that, it, that maybe I wasn't selected or, you know, they had other things going on, whatever. And then I kind of, then I reached out to uh, the former, now the former on-field host for the Gwinnett Stripers, Charlie B. And, uh, you know, just tried to, find out, uh, you know, did he know if they were going to have callbacks or like virtual tryouts? And and I guess it helps to know someone in minor league baseball because he said, give me a few minutes. And then he, um, he, he got back with me and said, you're in. So I don't think it was necessarily from like any talent that I had, but um, it's uh, it helps to know people. And I got to sing and I don't, I always tell people this, I can carry a note, but I'm never going to be winning American Idol. So, or, or anything along those lines. I'm probably not going to get that ticket to Hollywood. On a scale from Roseanne to Whitney, where, where, where do we fall? Ooh, definitely not Whitney. Um, <laughs> Hopefully not I, but, but I'm definitely, I, I definitely can, am comfortable about saying I'm past Roseanne. So <laughs> I'd say I'm probably halfway between Roseanne and Whitney. How about that? I, I, I think that's perfectly acceptable. I want to talk. So let's talk again, the logistics of it all. So yeah, it's famously a hard song to sing. Um, I am not a singer and I blame sister Donna, who, um, when I was singing the Ave Maria, my sophomore year, my voice cracked as a sophomore's voices want to do. And she says, not everyone has to live their, lift their voices to God, but it is, it's a true story, by the way. Um, but (laughs) Again, it's a hard song to sing. I mean, what was your anxiety level like going in? Were you relaxed? I mean, and you have all these people. How was that? You know, honestly, the whole day leading up to it, I did it on May the 4th for May the 4th be with you. And um, so the whole day I was just kind of practicing the song because I've, I've always, it's one of those songs that when you, you know, obviously if you, you know, you're an American, you know, these songs, it, it just kind of comes naturally when you're at the game. Right. But then when I knew I was going to have to sing it, then I'm starting to question like the, the lines of the songs. And I'm like, please don't tell me I'm going to get the second verse, you know, you know, makes up the second and the fourth verse. And I'm like, what am I doing? I know this song. And so <laughs> like, so yes, to, I was nervous leading up to it just because, you know, you want to show respect to the song 
And because, because, you know, a lot of people have served this country to give us the freedoms that we, that we get, you know, that we get to enjoy people like yourself. And um, so not only are you wanting to make sure that you stay on key, but you're wanting to make sure I would have been mortified if I'd messed up the lines or anything else. Cause I would have taken it as like a sign of like disrespect to the country, although unintentional, you know, sure. you, you want to make sure you do the song justice because you know, of the gravity of the song and what it represents. And so I just remember I, I, I looked up the lyrics and I listened to, I listened to the Whitney version of the Star Spangled Banner. I listened to just basic versions just to try to make sure that I could sing along, not as well as Whitney as we've already covered, but at least to try to cover it and uh, make sure that I got the lines. But um, my girlfriend was there. My, my sister was there and um, they kind of helped calm me down and uh, just said, once you start singing and you get the first couple lines out, then, then you're going to be fine. And I, and that's actually what happened. Once I got into a, a few lines, the rest of it came naturally when I did, when I wasn't overthinking it. So, yeah. You know what I was, so when I hear the anthem, um, you know, I, first of all, I render a hand salute. I don't put my hand over my heart and it's a very emotional moment for me. Cause I think of friends who aren't here, friends who came back, not whole. I think about my own issues, was there an emotional, like at some point, did the emotion of the moment take over for you? Or were you sort of being so like making sure you didn't mess up, like you said, that that was it over before you knew it? Like what was just the sort of experience during the singing like? You know, honestly, I wish I could say that I felt the gravity of the song while I was singing it, but I was so like I think I, everything else got drowned out because I was so focused on getting the song right. But then once I got through the first few lines, then I started enjoying it and um, thinking what an honor it was just to sing the Star Spangled Banner at, a, you know, at, at America's pastime. And it's um, just to know, again, thinking about, and then after it was done, I kind of, I, then I think after I finished, I started taking in the, the gravity of the song again and uh, knowing people who are there that, like I said, have served or have family members that are serving and um, just what an honor it really was and hope it, making sure that I tried to appreciate the moment. And I was so relieved at the end that I was told that I didn't mess it up and that, you know, I didn't, I didn't completely make my voice crack. And, you know, that you, <laughs> at least for a first time that you felt like you relatively did the song justice. And there were people that said that they appreciated, you know, that you just sang the song with the notes and I didn't try to do my own riff, which no one in no one in this world should have to try to listen to me go off on a, you know, on a riff. I don't have that kind of a voice. So, um, so yeah, it was during the song. It was definitely uh, trying to make sure that I got it right. But then once I got done, and I, you know, I that was kind of a moment to take it all in and appreciate it, and just be grateful for the chance to sing the Star Spangled Banner. Okay, so do you think you'll do it again? Oh, I would definitely do it again if they if they asked. And it's funny the um, was it now the the Idaho Spuds? I guess they were Canyon County Spuds, and they said they they wrote me on Twitter and just said if you ever come to Tater Town, let us know. So you know, so just to hear things like that because I posted a video of it because credit to my sister who recorded it for me on my phone and, and um, you know so just to listen back to it you, you know there's there's things that you're kind of critical of yourself because you're like. Oh, that that note could have been a little better, but at the same time, you know, overall, I was, you know, I was happy with how it went, and but yeah, I mean, I would definitely do it again because it's it's always an honor to get to sing such a, such a beautiful a beautiful song like the Star Spangled Banner. Well, um, before we get out of here, 
I want to talk a little bit about hat history. So you have really gained quite a bit of popularity over on, on Twitter and in your part of Curb Bear Media, looking at the history of teams ball caps. Uh, my wife has one question, so I'll ask one question for her. Do you actually already own all the hats or do you buy them knowing you're about to do a segment? No, I actually already own all the hats that I'm, that I'm going to do uh, something on. So that was literally my wife's question. She's like, does he own all these already? So I, I do actually. And it's, it's, it's really Jim, it's you, you know, you, you've gotten to know me. It's kind of a, it's probably a little bit of a sickness that I have. It's like a new one comes out and I'm like, I don't think, do I, you know, do I need it or not? I'm just like, I have to have that hat because these, as you know, these minor league teams do such a great job right. branding and uh, you know, they come out with these special editions and um, I'm just like, I just think back to what we all do. Like it's about supporting a small business when you buy it directly from the teams or, you know, at least through the MILB store. And it's about supporting people who, you know, after, especially after the pandemic, it got to be right. even more of a thing. Um, I was doing it pre-pandemic as well, but uh, it got to be even more of a thing now that I'm looking not only at minor league, minor league teams, but collegiate summer league teams, independent professional teams. And yeah, so I, I do own, all, to answer your wife's question, I do own all the hats. Um, it's, I have an unhealthy amount of hats. That's, that's to I have be no sure. idea what you're talking about. I, I mean, I mean, I love it, but <laughs> I, if only I had a sweet setup like you do, um, you know, cause I think, I think your setup is just a thing of beauty. I love all the pennants. I love all the hats and the time and care that you've taken into it. I see the Gwinnett stripers pennant back there. Thank yeah. you for that. And, um, what team should do uh, see, they should, they should. And, and I love it when you, when you showcase that in your, you know, in, in your show and in your podcast that, um, that, you know, you show off the teams to do those types of things. And honestly, just a quick shout out for your, like, you know, let's get the merch segment. I, I love that you show just the kind of selections that these teams have and, you know, that you're showcasing that small business for those teams. And that, you know, I can't tell you enough probably what that means to them uh, to, you know, to have that kind of someone with your platform to kind of show off that type of, um, you know, that type of experience and to get it directly from them that you don't have to go, to the fanatics and the, the lids yeah. and every everywhere else. I mean, these teams, because it's a crime to me sometimes that some of the times these bigger sites release products and identities before the team can even unveil it. Yeah, And it's, it's really sad because it, it, it eats away at small business because some people who have to have it already own it before they can, before they can even showcase it. And there are and I think plenty of right. examples. The, the key really is that these are small businesses. These are, and I know some of, yeah, some of the, some of the teams are maybe, maybe it's a, it's a family that are millionaires, not billionaires and they're owning two or three, but it's still, they're making money on the margins and they're trying to be there for their communities in a way that major league baseball just doesn't do. I think you hit the nail on the head on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I try to think about what would I want, you know, running a small business. Now I've never run a small business, so I, I can't sit here and say, I know what small businesses go through, but I can, but I can sympathize with, you know, what you had to do when you, when you were forced to close your doors or you had to use a, a larger part of your budget to do something, you know, like to, to meet pandemic guidelines, depending on the state that you were in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a real life thing that people had to, you know, and, you know, when it, when it affects your bottom line and your, 
your your wallet or your pocketbook or whatever it may be. I mean, that's a that's a real challenge. So even if something does cost more, which these days it really doesn't even cost more to buy up in the small business, less shipping. But right. it's a, but it's if it does, if it's a couple of dollars more, I'd rather give it to the small business and know where it's going and know that that's being reinvested into the community than to give it to corporate America and who knows where it ends up. You're totally right. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Make sure you are all following Patrick and his hat history videos. Um, you'll see me retweeting them. Uh, I will ask you publicly to tag me so I do not forget to share this with our audience uh, I because I want to make sure that people are following all this stuff. Patrick, thanks so much for jumping on Let's Get To. We'll have you back on in a couple of months. Well, Jim, thank you. And thank you for the great job that you do for the baseball community and covering minor league baseball everywhere. You, you do, you and you and your team do a great job. And thank you for allowing me to be on here. You did great, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So this. Lights, camera, play ball. The best in baseball cinema. And we're back here on Lights, Camera, Play Ball with Andy Tom Chesson. It is our Memorial Day episode. So, Andy, you and I looked at The Catcher Was a Spy with the ever-likable Paul Rudd. I mean, he never ages. It's a, it's, it's a mystery onto itself. Um, but, yes, it, it, I mean, I, who wouldn't date him? I'm telling you, um, it's sort of ridiculous. Jessica like knows, knows who Ant-Man is now, which if you'd have told me that had been a thing that would have happened sure. at the beginning, of, I never would have bought it. You know, it's weird. Um, I'm definitely someone who can let outside factors uh, affect how I feel about a movie. Like I went into the Ghostbusters remake uh, not, not liking the movie, nothing to do with the cast and everything to do with the loudmouth director. Looking at this movie having what what is like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't feel like it was worthy of that rating. No, it, it's interesting because if you look at, and let's back up a little bit, um, ratings are what they are. This is a type of film that doesn't have just a whole lot of what I would consider action sequences. And if it's kind of a thinking film, so if you're thinking a lot of it, a lot, it's not tense. It's not a thriller necessarily. It has some of those aspects, uh, but it's a lot more intrigue that's built into the plot. And it's very subtle, and I don't know how well that translates into audiences these days. And I think that also is reflected by critics uh, who also are looking for a big payoff in a film. This was a very subtle film. There's a lot of uh, innuendo, um, and that really reflects on who Mo Berg was as a character, as well as real life from what we know of him, because he is somebody whose biggest skill was just fitting in the background. And I think yeah. he actually says that a number of times through the film. Certainly does in the book. The Well, I guess let's talk about the book first, and I have not read the book. I mean, is there a big difference between adaptations are always weird. They're never perfect. Was there a big difference between what we saw in the book versus in the movie? No, I mean, it, it generally, and it's been a minute since I've read the book uh, by, um, excuse me, Nick uh, Davidoff. Uh, that is more of a historical document. There's a lot of uh, fact into it. And there's obviously some embellishment that happens to fit that story that covers a few decades 
into a two hour long movie. Um, so there, there's some condensing of things, uh, some combining of historical figures into one, yeah. one, one unit, but nothing that was, I don't think there's been any big glaring differences between what happened in the book in real life and what happens in the movie. Um, there is, you know, he joins the precursor to the CIA, uh, the uh, OSS, uh, which they don't, I don't know that they name drop in the movie. I watched it again last night and I kept look, waiting for them to identify, uh, was it going to be the Office of Naval Services? Well, no, they didn't say that. So it, it, OSS was what he was working for. Um, but it, it, it's interesting that his skill as a photographer um, that he kind of took pictures on accident on a all-star tour of Japan yeah. and gave them to uh, somebody in military intelligence. And they recognized he could be a useful asset, especially with his ability to speak uh, German and some other languages uh, because he was super, super smart. Yeah. And I think you're right. The only, the only reference to OSS, I think we see one document with OSS yep. typed on it. They don't, they don't talk about it, like you said, the precursor to the uh, the CIA. I want to get to the cast in a second, but I actually was very impressed with Ben Lewin's direction. I thought um, that I had, he had a very nice motivated camera, and I thought the colors really worked for the movie. And I thought it was just the way he shot it. He shot it like a spy movie, which was appropriate. But I also liked the fact that it was just a different kind of World War II movie that we haven't really seen yet. And I, again, I think that it sort of highlights how lots of small moments went to winning that war. Well, and that's when I say subtle, that's exactly what I mean. It was not bombastic. It was not in your face. There were a lot of um, moving parts and individual contributions that most of us will never, ever know about that go into undermining the Nazi regime, which is by and large what this film was about. Uh, getting to Heisenberg, um, making some very crucial decisions that ultimately led to the Allies winning World War II. Uh, and this was just a microcosm of those types of things. But there was uh, certainly, probably for the first time, and maybe a little bit in World War I, but definitely World War II, I think, is the first time that our intelligence community had a massive, massive part in the outcome of, of, of armed conflict. Yeah, and I think that they, again, they really showed that. And, and I like the little moments of humanity in the film. I'm particularly, you know, him playing baseball and you see him happy for the first, for the first time in a long time of the runtime of the film, especially because his personal life seemed to be just a disaster. Um, one of the things, though, that really stood out to me was the supporting cast. I mean, when you have a movie with Jeff Daniels and Paul Giamatti and Guy Pierce and Sienna Miller and Mark Strong. I mean, it really was top to bottom, a really strong cast for a movie that really kind of flew under the radar, I think. Yeah. And that's not to mention Mark Strong and Connie Nielsen. I mean, there were, uh, I mean, big A-list a type players in this film. Um, and it's kind of a mystery as to why it didn't do better in the box office or wasn't more critically, uh, critically well-reviewed. But it kind of is what it is. Um, it's it's a quiet film. It's a quiet film and it's a period piece and it's a human interest drama, for lack of a better term, because it's not Moberg did this one thing and giant explosions happen and all of a sudden <laughs> you see um, Hitler in a bunker committing suicide. That's not what this film was about. This was about a lot of human relationships 
that were leveraged to get to a result that you didn't really even see on screen. It was, you know, a lot of it was implied action, um, which you don't get a lot of those films anymore. And, and I think that's kind of a shame because while, you know, we're on record, I love Star Wars. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love big, loud popcorn movies, but there's still got to be a place in film for the think piece. And this absolutely is a think piece. And I think films like that suffer these days, certainly from a box office perspective, but struggle to find an audience. And I think that's really what happened with this film. Yeah, I feel like if this movie had come out like this year, it's a Netflix original and maybe does better. Like this is, we're still a little early in that time, in that lifespan of those types of movies going straight to Netflix or something like that. Um, I guess as we kind of finish talking about this particular movie, you know, where does it fit for you as far as baseball movies and where does it fit for you as far as sort of that tie-in between baseball and World War II? Because that's another thing that that serving in World War II was a pretty common thing for Major League Baseball players of all skill levels. Although he, you know, in the movie, he jokes about how not good at catch, at playing baseball he really was. But where does it kind of fit for you in, in those two sort of genres? You know, it's interesting because I think there's, well, we all remember heroes. We all remember the people that we grew up. Hero is probably an overused word, but from a baseball perspective, if you're a baseball fan, you have major league players that you absolutely followed and worshipped as maybe going a step too far, but really, really admired. Um, And then there's everybody else. And the vast majority of baseball players are everybody else which mm-hmm. is, again, one of the things that let Mo Berg be who Mo Berg was. He's a hyper-intelligent individual that uh, probably a lot, very much of an introvert unless he had to be, which you saw in the film a number of times. Uh, he probably had a personal life that was an absolute mess, but he was a Major League Baseball player, and that allowed him access to things. And, and for all of the I wasn't that good, he played 15 years in the yeah. Major Leagues at a time when there were only 16 teams. So it's not like he was floating around on the, you know, with the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Miami Marlins as a fringe Major League player for years and years and years. He was a serviceable Major League player when Major League when the Major League Baseballs were at their um, – most talent rich, most condensed from a, a player standpoint. So some of that's certainly self-serving and a little bit self-deprecating, but uh, he, he's the interesting thing to me is that as unspoken or as undersung as he was, he's a crucial piece of American history. Um, you know, checking the boxes of being a major league baseball player, playing for two of the four most storied franchises that have ever existed in the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, but also a key piece, even if it was a relatively small role in the burgeoning stages of military intelligence. Um, And that, again, is what assisted um, the Army, the Navy, the Marines from turning into uh, an isolationist government into a um, group that could go win a world war. And despite my good friends who are British, we, we did go in and win a world war. Yeah, we, we actually did it twice, but don't tell them. You know, it's one of the things I, w- I want to go back to as we wrap up, though, was the subtlety. And there was a lot of basically in the film business, we call it like relying on on the viewer's knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I love the scene where he just puts, the, well, I think it was Jeff Daniels puts the, the container down and says, 
you cannot be captured. And they don't specify that it's cyanide, but we've right. all seen enough 007 movies. I don't know. I, I like the I like that aspect of it where it was not a movie that insulted my intelligence. Like I didn't feel the need to spell everything out for me. Yeah, and I think that's you know that kind of things is what hurts it probably in a box office setting because it wasn't catering. Um, you know, again, I watched it over the weekend. It wasn't catering to the lowest common denominator of film fans. And there's a lot of films that do that, and, and good for them. But this was. The, uh, to your point, relying on you having a certain understanding of the realities of what being a spy in the early 1940s might have entailed. Yeah. I mean, we have enough Furious 10. Is that what they're calling it now? Furious 10 or Fast 10? Uh, fast, drifty, Japan, Tokyo, something. I don't know. They should just call um, it family. I, I know that these cars can fly. And I like eating popcorn as much as the next guy, so good for them. But that was not this. No, no. The biggest it was... embellishment was that Mo Berg was not a, a tenth as attractive a man as Paul Rudd. <laughs> so him pulling a Sienna Miller probably wasn't real. But, you know, women always like personality and sense of humor, I'm told. Uh, that's that is the rumor i have as well uh, he is andy tom chess and this is lights camera play ball we'll be back in a few weeks with another baseball movie to discuss on the st louis team we have uh, who's on first what's on second i don't know who's on third that's what i want to find out i want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the st louis I'm, team i'm telling you who's on first what's on second i don't know who's on third Do you know the fellas names yes well then who's playing first yeah i mean the fellas who's on first the let's get to team of the week Presented by the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. All right, so we're super excited on our Memorial Day episode to welcome back Dustin Fishman from the Corpus Christi Hooks. The Corpus Christi Hooks that do Memorial's Day and veteran recognition better than just about anybody. Dustin, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Thanks for having me back again. Uh, yeah, no worries. Before we jump into Memorial Day, though, let's talk a little rodeo weekend. You guys had the rodeo weekend out there, the new look. Um, how did it go? Was it a hit like you'd hoped? It was for somebody like me who I've never experienced anything like this before growing up in South Florida, you know, being in Illinois a little bit and then out in Tennessee. And, and it was eye opening and I loved every second of it. I could tell you I didn't know what mutton busting was, but seeing it happen on a baseball field was even i think that's how everybody should see it the first time i imagine it's probably similar to you growing up though i imagine you was a lot of gator wrestling that you had to do in south florida yeah except you know there's usually just one gator not you know a bunch of sheep <laughs> so it, it's close it's similar um it's it's a little different but it's it's close enough all right let's talk memorial day you guys every memorial day uh, become the Corpus Christi Blue Ghost. For those people that are watching, the Blue Ghost is the nickname of the USS Lexington. Named that because the Japanese thought they sunk it, and it turns out they did sink the first one, not the second one, so they started calling it the Blue Ghost. Um, talk to me a little bit about the relationship with the Lexington and how that kind of works and why that's so important to the Corpus Christi Hooks brand. Of course. You know, I'm, I'm still learning it too, being a little new here, but it's always about the community. And I think we even talked about this the last time that we were chatting too, is, you know, we, we are here because we want to give something back to the community that supports us. And that includes working together with everyone. And when you get big weekends, you know, like Memorial day, you want to make sure that you can give recognition to, um, you know, everyone that, that deserves it. And we've got a lot going on, you know, for this homestand, 
um, that ties in with that. But it's just awesome. You know, they're right in our backyard. You can see the Lex uh, from inside the ballpark here. Um, it's, it's just an awesome experience to be able to work with them. Talk a little bit about um, what I, one of the things I love about it is you guys do the theme night as well as anybody because everything changes in the ballpark. The logo is different. You even have periodically 1940s music playing between uh, between innings to really capture that night that that vibe. Um, how important is that to really sell the entire experience to the fan base? Of course, I mean that's that's everything because when you come out to um, to any game, you know we want to make sure that you're going to enjoy it. And, you know, we don't want to just just change, you know, the moniker and have that be it. We want everyone to be fully entrenched in Blue Ghost Weekend and everything that goes along with that. So, you know, it, it starts obviously with the jerseys, the hats, the name, and it, it goes down and trickles down, like you said, to the music and everything else. You know, we'll have uh, representation from the Lex out here. We'll have the little Lex. We'll have a, a, a plane that kids can kind of sit in out front to. So it's just all the little things that tie in together to make sure that weekend as a whole, um, you know, we've got uh, a pinning ceremony that'll happen, uh, you know, on Sunday as well. Oh, for wow, that's Vietnam cool. veterans, um, you know, we'll have Patriot riders out here. So there's just a lot that we want to make sure that, you know, we can bring the recognition to where it needs to go for, you know, past, future, present, um, you know, the people that help to protect our country and, you know, have some that have sacrificed and, and given the ultimate sacrifice. So um, it's just all about giving back to the community and, and paying tribute where we can. Well, let's talk about that, too, because you guys are a, mil a, a military town. But, you know, Memorial Day is a weird thing, right? Because for most of America, it's the beginning of summer. Uh, for vets, it's a time to not remember our service, but remember our friends who didn't come home. So how do you strike that balance between reverence but also having it still be a celebration it's minor league baseball and it should be fun of course and that's where you know it, it just becomes kind of like a, a recognition and awareness thing um unfortunately it's it's not the happiest thing but i think the educational side of that is key um you know for me uh not related to this but i remember one of the first times i went to washington dc uh we got to go and i got to see the tomb of the unknown soldier and something mm. like that really opens up your eyes. So I think it's kind of the same thing of opening up experiences like that here for people that, you know, may not be able to go out there or other places. Uh, you know, this, this is a thing that happens and we have people that, uh, that do pay that, that ultimate sacrifice. So we want to be able to, you know, pay some recognition to them, um, but also do it in a, in a way that, uh, you know, it can be, I don't want to say joyful, but, you know, honoring them the right way um, but still trying to, you know, have that balance of having a good time here at the ballpark and, and make it, you know, an educational thing um, and, and, and the recognition side. Well, and you did say you had other other plans beyond just Blue Ghost Weekend for this period of time when y'all are home leading up to Memorial Day. What are some other stuff that we can look forward to? Yeah, so uh, really kicks off, obviously, the, the homestand will kick off on Tuesday like normal homestands do. They'll go all the way through Sunday. Um, we will have our first of two ALCS replica ring giveaways. This will be a, a Jordan Alvarez. Yep. Yep. I haven't gotten mine yet. Okay. All right. See you here Thursday. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. My students <laughs> might miss me if I, if, I, uh, if I bail on them a little early as they face the summer without me. I don't even know how they're going to handle it. Um, I mean, you could zoom, right? We'll, I, we'll just remote. You could remote learn. It'll be the other way. It'd be the, I'd be the opposite. That, that actually might anger them. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, you doing the Astro stuff, you guys tie it in. I mean, obviously the Astros 
own the hook. So it isn't just a, a relation. It's not just a sort of a contractual relationship. It's a very real one. How big of a draw is the success of the Astros and how do you feel that at the double A level? Yeah. And that's the nice part about having them be so close too. you know, it's not that far to drive up to Houston from here talking about three hours or so. So it's nice because you have that fan base where it's always going to trickle out from wherever that central location is. So it's, it's just nice to have it where we can still find Astros fans that want to, you know, support us. I'm sure you know that minor league baseball fans are going to just kind of go anywhere there's baseball, but having that direct tie in to the Astros and, you know, we're getting those Astros fans and now they can see the prospects and, and really the, how the whole process works. It's not like you just sign a guy and he's in the big leagues, you know, there's a whole different layer of it for them and what they go through. So I think it's awesome to be able to, to show the different levels to it and what those guys go through. Cause it's not an easy process or an easy journey uh, going from, you know, getting drafted to, to hopefully making it up to the big leagues one day, but it's definitely nice. And then, you know, to be able to give away some of the giveaways that we do, you know, it's, I'm going to be pumped if I can, you know, maybe have a, a little ring on my finger. Um, but obviously those are, we'll be going to the fans. So he's like, we're giving uh, away, we're, excited we're giving away 1,999 rings. Why the odd number? No idea. <laughs> hey, we have 5,000. So I guess oh. 4,999. You know, that actually is intriguing too, because one of the things that the, the downside of the Corpus Christi Hooks fan base is it's always a hours long line on a giveaway and, and that, that's a sturdy fan base. It doesn't mind how hot or humid it is. They are lined up in front of the ballpark for the giveaway. Yeah, and we have, since we're talking about it, and I've got this here, this will be our a Blue Ghost. Oh, that's sharp. Giveaway. That's so, sharp. Presented by Sitco. That'll be uh, on Saturday um, that those are given out. So we'll have 2,000 of those to pass out to fans. And it's it's we like giving away you know good quality product stuff and that's why those those lines are long um because you know we're not just looking at small things here and there to give out um you know we want to give out the best that we can all right so as we wrap it up then and which means you're you're spared from another round of, of the sudden death questions like you did your first time um we are gonna it's gonna be probably before our july 4th that we have you back on again so what can we look forward to post memorial day going into june yeah, going into June, um, let's see, I've got, I may have a couple of tabs open up here because there's so much for me to try <laughs> to keep track of that it's it's tough with everything. There's so much that goes into, you know, planning the promo schedule and just the whole entire year because, you know, with all that we have, uh, there's so much in one homestand alone, let alone the rest of the year there. But going into June, we've got uh, our Coastal Bend Week that'll be coming up. Um, we'll have uh, a little uh, kids hooks jersey. We've got a beach hat we're giving away. Um, our second ring giveaway, which will be the uh, an Jose Altuve ALCS Ooh. ring. Um, and then we've got, uh, after that, we'll have Cumbia's weekend coming towards the end of June for Copa. Um, and then moving into that, then we start getting in a little bit deeper into July. Um, which I guess we can touch on once we get closer to that. But we've got some really good stuff uh, with some bobbleheads and jerseys and the Marvel's uh, Defender of the Diamonds as well. So can you at least leak out who who your hero is for the Defenders of the Diamond? Are you allowed to reveal that yet? 
uh, I, I'm going to stay on the safe side here. I, I'm not <laughs> sure. Maybe I can find out and send you an email. And we can just, you know, add it in there on the side. I'll add it in. Well, Dustin, thanks so much again for jumping on Let's Get To You. Thanks for supporting the show. And we'll have you back on uh, for our July 4th episode. Awesome. I look forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, please adjust your scorecards. We have a special guest in the lineup. And so we're continuing our Memorial Day episode, and we're excited to be joined by Patrick Newt from BaseballMapper.com. First of all, Patrick, I know you hear this all the time. Uh, I'm actually literally on your site right now figuring out who else I'm going to see when I see the Retro Cucamonga Equates in 2023. Nice. What, what, what are you looking at? Like, what's the possible options out there? Uh, I'm going to go, I think, them, San Bernardino, and then the Lake Elsinore Storm. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, there's some good, there's some good ballparks out there for sure. I would like to go see as well. Yeah. I, I just was, I don't know. I don't know why I'm already prepping for 2023 when I'm literally two trips into 2022, but this is how my head works, but I'm excited to have you on though, because you are an air force vet. Um, I usually make a joke about you didn't want to join the military, but I'm not going to do that to you now. Um, but what prompted uh, your decision to enlist? Um, it's a good question. I, I joined in the military, uh, out of fear that I wouldn't have anything else to do when I was in high school. Um, you know, I think about it now, especially after having been, uh, a high school teacher and been in a school, uh, system and had kids who were in high school and how connected they are to their counselors and how connected they are to talking about their futures. Yeah. And I can't remember between the two high schools I went to, I can't remember a counselor ever talking to me about plans after high school. And I felt pressure to come up with my own idea. And I didn't, I didn't like school enough as a whole. Like I, I, you know, I never had a concept of I could just focus on these things or, um, just very naive about how college would work and what I would have to do. And I'm like, I don't ever want to take a math class ever again. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, yeah. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, and it's funny because there was a huge difference between my academics in terms of my English and history. Cause I was in AP classes, junior and, and, you know, and as a upperclassman and, um, but then I really struggled with math science and I was just like, I don't think I want to do college. So I actually sought out, uh, an air force recruiting station and I chose the air force literally because I thought their uniforms look cool. So, and they, they were the same. There was a recruiting center near me in Waukegan, Illinois that, uh, had all the branches. I just, I went after the air force and I made it as easy on him as possible. Cause I was like, I think I want to do law enforcement in the military, <laughs> And he's like, really perfect sign, you know? Um, <laughs> and so I was on the delayed enlistment program. Um, and I, that was, that was like the second half of junior year. So that by senior year, I was graduating early and I, you know, I had to take my physical, my final physical and stuff. I'd already taken uh, the ASVAB and everything like that. And I was set to go. I, you know, I, I was set very early on because I wanted to go. And there was like, Hey, you know, you can go do your college. I'm like, ah, maybe when I get done, you know, it was just go see the world, uh, have a plan. A lot of my friends didn't know what they were going to do, but I did. And I, that made me feel good that I had a plan. I think that's interesting. Our, our paths were a little different, but I think you're right. We're of a generation where they really didn't talk to us about, like I work in a school now and they start talking about after high school, their freshman year. Mm -hmm. 
And I was just sort of like, I applied to Annapolis and Notre Dame, got into none of them. And was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. So yeah. uh, it's also funny. I did have an Air Force contract and then I re- heard the Army would let you do two years. Seven yeah. years later, I got out. So I don't know. What to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and I, it's funny because I went in again, talk about being naive. And, you know, I, I kind of hold it against my recruiter for that. Um, I, I went in and instead of doing only four, I did six on an enlistment because they're like, hey, we'll give you more rank, more pay, uh, more enlistment bonus. And, you know, I was pretty smart with my enlistment bonus. I, I put it in investments, but um, which is very rare for a very rare. Kid. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that rank meant nothing. I didn't know E3 was something I was so on after tech school. And, you know, none of that, none of that really, uh, I, you know, I'm not coming from a family of military. I don't know about you. How about you? Do you have a, a no. family history? Nope. I mean, my great, well, my grandfather, uh, was in world war II, but, um, like my dad didn't serve. So I really, and my grandfather was in the Navy. So I, I really went into it blind. I didn't mm-hmm. know much. I got a little rank because it was an Eagle scout, but again, I got, yeah. I got an E2 as opposed to an E1 and it doesn't matter. Yeah. That was my buddy. My buddy was the same way. He, he was an Eagle scout. And I was like, what you didn't have to do. He only did four, you know, he set up for four. And I was like, what? I, I didn't realize you know, but it was good to have a plan. And I'm glad to hear other people feel the same way because I think high schools are a lot more proactive, not just in terms of like counselors, right? Obviously counselors are really kind of testing kids, finding out what their, their habits and their skills apply to early on, but being able to try more things besides shop class, besides, you know, yeah, besides uh, cooking, you know, like, you know, there's kids who are, at, you know, at my old high school, they were in biomedical programs programs you know they're, they're training by the end of senior year they're in they're at the hospital working uh, with yeah. nurses and so you'll you'll find out if it's something you really want to do even before you step foot in college so um it's really changed and but but by no means was it a mistake for me I thought you know it was a great experience I, I think so too it's weird because I think back like could 45 year old Jim do it again probably not like I I like I still have nightmares about oh I'm deploying tomorrow and I wake up and I'm not but mm. Um, yeah, I don't know that I would have done anything I've done since I got out if I hadn't had everything that came with being in the army, including, you know, relationships. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Memorial Day and help people understand the difference, but I want to talk a little baseball because, you know, that's how we know each other. Mm -hmm. We'd be at the Jacksonville Jumbo Ship game together. Man, well, that's like a month away. Very, I know, right? Like it was now, now the time will drag on until we get there, but what role did baseball play for you while you were in, if at all? Um, it's a great question because it's one of those things you don't, I don't think about. I didn't think about it, how important it was at the time because it was part of our hanging out when we would be off our shifts. And we had some pretty good shifts there for a little while. And then September 11th happened and our entire life got flipped upside down in the military. But we would always have our time off. And actually, we had a USO on our base. I don't know if it was the same way with your post, whatever, wherever you would be at. But like USO would donate tickets and stuff, uh, you know, for different events, all kinds of things. And and baseball tickets were always available for not only the Orioles, like general admission seats for the Orioles um, out there in center field. Um, There's like picnic tables and stuff like that kind of there at Camden Yards. But because I was stationed at Andrews in, in Maryland, um, but uh, also the Bowie Bay Sox, 
would give away yeah. tickets too. And it was always really pretty cheap. Plus there was a military discount and uh, military night. And, you know, we, we would go and do that quite a bit, but because I was on the East coast, we would travel uh, to, you know, Philadelphia was a couple hours away. My buddy had a, a bachelor party in Philadelphia that started at the vet. Um, uh, you know, it, it was actually a good time. I have plenty of good memories at the vet. Um, I got to go there a couple of times, got to go to the new ballpark at Citizen Bank while I was stationed out there. Um, Pittsburgh, we caught a doubleheader in, in PNC Park while I was out there. I went to old Yankee Stadium a couple of times. Um, Fenway Park, we stayed in billeting from the Air Force. And that was always a good option, too, if you could get in with good billeting at like Hansville. Yeah. And then take uh, the public transportation and, you know, spend spend the day in Fenway. And and so we did quite a bit of baseball. Plus, it, because it was an interest, me and, you know, some of my good friends, we would, you know, be Little League coaches for like the, the kids in base housing. That was one of our volunteer things that we would do for our performance reports. Um, I've got great memories of doing that and great pictures. Uh, already was- proof that the Air Force is so much better. Like, oh, you have to volunteer. <laughs> Anyway. I know it was really it was really a cool the quality of life was so much better than the, the, the food. It's not just the food. If they say it's just the food, they're lying. We yeah, it was great, man, and it's so many great experiences. And look at look at all those little sprinkles of baseball in there. I, again, I I haven't really given that much thought, but you know, I've been to like fifteen games at Camden Yards. It's probably like the the third or fourth most visited ballpark that I've ever been to. Because yeah. they welcomed us so much, and it was just a great place. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Camden Yards? I mean, it was, it was beautiful. So, yeah, man, it played a big role. For, for us, it was uh, it was the Oklahoma City Redhawks before they were the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because, you know, Army bases aren't near any place cool. So, uh, we – That's not always true. We were about an hour and a half. From, yeah, I guess Aberdeen's not far from kind of where you were. Yeah. No. Um, and then, you know, for us, it was building a, a softball field in Bosnia and then writing all of these, the companies and them sending us free stuff. So we had balls and bats and gloves. That was, that was kind of a big, awesome. a big thing for me. Um, when you go now, cause you, you go as, as much as I do, um, do you have moments when the anthem's playing? I mean, what is it like for you during that? Uh, it, you know, just that whole experience. Um, yeah, you know. No, that's that's one of those things where, you know, like the, the most recently I was just at the Sox game a couple weekends ago against the Yankees. And and, uh, you know, I'm with my whole family, you know, except my oldest is is uh, isn't home from school yet. But um, we're all together. There's five of us there and we're walking to the ballpark and, you know, people are starting to rise for the anthem. And it's like I will beeline right to where the seats are so I can have a view of the flag and bring the kids out there. And my, my little guy takes his hat off and, you know, it's like, it, it means something. And there is a, um, a feeling of reverence and um, it's always important. It's always an important, it's a really, and really what other opportunities do you get for that? You, you know, where, where there's an anthem playing and we're all together, we're, in, we're singing, we're, we're, you know, it's just, it doesn't happen often. It's great that baseball provides that. And um you know, and then add add a little piece to it in some of these ballparks you go to, too, where they, a lot of them, there's a lot of places, especially if you find yourself in a city that's military tied, you know, like I remember going to Mobile uh, for to see the Bay Bears when we'd be down in Gulf Shores and big military area, you know, it's probably the same way, like the San Antonio Missions, same way. It's like they yeah. take a moment 
to thank all the veterans and stuff. And, and um, you know, actually that happened with the bananas when we were in, uh, in Birmingham for the bananas, they, they stopped to thank the veterans. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, that, that always matters. It always, it always uh, feels like something special stand up and applaud each other. And um, we're always a part of this club, man. We're always a part of this club that, that uh, is special. Absolutely. Um, although I do remember uh, I was getting my, my award to leave Bosnia and I had this old cantankerous Sergeant major who was a big Yankee fan he used to chew his cigars. He looked like Gargamel from the Smurfs. Nice. While he was pinning me, rather than give me inspirational words from one enlisted to another, he was telling me how the Astros would never, ever win a World Series. This was like 1996, 97, when they were pretty good. I was like, okay. Um, wow. That's now, so did you do your basic at San Antonio? I did. Yeah, I did my basic in San Antonio. Games? Um, you know, that's, that's what's funny. I did my basic in San Antonio at Lackland. And then my tech school is at Lackland too. So like, I never left. I felt, I was so jealous of everybody who got to leave and go do tech school somewhere else. Um, but I did mine also at Lackland and um, I never went to a Spurs game, total regret. I spent some time in the, the river walk, but not like I did when I went back. The cool thing is, is that Lackland is a training base throughout your career. So when you make okay. sergeant or, you know, so you'll get to come back later on. I was also a, um, I was an alarms monitor uh, for the Air Force One hangar. So I had to do alarm training school and that was down there. And it would bring a lot of people together from all over the place. We'd be down in San Antonio. And then going back to San Antonio was like a, a party. And so I do have really good um, memories of going and catching a couple of uh, missions games out there. Was that Nelson Wolf Stadium? Nelson Wolf, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, with the Balapino. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. They actually had one of my favorite. One of my favorite. Um, I'm a big corn on the cob guy. Like I love making corn on the cob on the grill all the time. And that was the first time I ever seen it at a minor league baseball park where it's like they just had a stack, like tables of ears of corn and like you know 55 gallon drums of butter and stuff, and you just go over and bloop, bloop, <laughs> whatever you want on it. I mean, and just make a, you know walk in walk in a lotus, and it was just wonderful, man. I mean, I was. I had good memories there, you know, so. Absolutely. Um, I guess that as we wrap up, let's talk a little baseball mapper for a second. Um, you guys are just killing it. First of all, how cool is it for you to know that you guys are now an essential part of people's travel plans? Like, I can't tell you how many times I see you guys getting tagged in tweets for that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it um, it's it's like humbling, man. It's like we we wanted to do something uh, right around, you know, we're both home from, from work at that time. I'm teaching remotely, you know, in 2020 yeah. and, um, he's working from home every day. He can't go into work. He works at Abbott ironically, you know, uh, home of, uh, you know, your COVID tests. And, um, we're both, we're both putting in, uh, we're both putting in our time at home and really kind of launching this site with the hopes that people like you and people like us who travel, this will just help you find places. And it's like, you don't realize how many people do what we do, but maybe not as, uh, you know, all, all in like, you know, you, how many, how many uh, trips you have left for the summer? You've got like 18, 18, right? Okay. So that's extra. Right. And, but you know, and I, I don't have nearly as many, I don't think, but um, I, I wish I kind of wish I could do more baseball, but, um, uh, you know, I definitely, you know, we're planning and trying to hit multiple, multiple baseball stadiums on a trip, which is unique to our, us. Right. But like people right. who are on a work trip, uh, or people who are visiting family, 
how cool is it for them to know baseball's right there? And and that's what's special. It's like people are like, I didn't even realize this team was in my town. I can't wait to go see them uh, this summer. You know, collegiate summer leagues, especially. Especially, like, yeah. It feels like, yeah, they're everywhere. It feels like they're everywhere. One's really close by to you. If you find yourself in the Shenandoah Valley, that was a one time, that was like an awakening for me. I was in Virginia a few years ago in the summertime in the Shenandoah Valley with my family, who my sister lives in Texas. And everywhere we're driving, where there's a baseball stadium. I'm like, what, what teams are these? Like, what is this, you know? And, um, you know, it's, it's great, man. It, it's great to feel like we can help people. It's an added bonus that people just like to go on there. I mean, the amount of time that we could see that people spend just like clicking on teams and yeah. whether it's for planning, whether it's for clicking open websites and going in and, you know, uh, checking out the stadium, following them on social media, buying hats and other merch, whatever, it, you know, how cool is it that we can uh, help bring people to that? And it's, it's special, man. You're, I mean, I'll be honest, you guys are, I think, indispensable to it now. And one of the, one of our big decisions when we joined Curb Room Media was y'all, y'all's presence there. Like it, at, like you, you guys add a, uh, it's a different element and it, you add a legitimacy to it. And I was very excited to be associated with you guys. Oh man, that's what an honor, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's and Curb Brand Media, but what a collection of How cool of, is it? Yeah. Yeah, man. We have it, it's a great group. It's uh it's baseball fans like us, it's people who are 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 makers and um excited about baseball and um and are excited about whether it's uh uh, a team's alternate identity, uh, a new trip coming up, like, oh, wait, we can go catch a double header in, you know, in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, you know, those kind of things. It's, it's, uh, it's cool. You know, plus it's a great group of people. So it's, it's, really, it's really a special group. Well, uh, Patrick, thanks for jumping on Patrick Newt, Air Force vet. And thank you for your service. And uh, thanks for jumping on. Let's get to you. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'll see you soon for sure. To close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So that does wrap up this episode of Let's Get To. Now, we were unable to do a full-on Raiders of the Lost Diamond segment, in part because we had to give Andrew a break, and we just knew that the rest of the episode would be a little bit longer than what we're used to this season. But I did want to bring to your attention a really cool baseball history story, a little quick factoid. And, we, and this comes courtesy of one of my really good friends, Matt Dudley, who's an Air Force vet. And he got it from the USMC, that's right, the United States Marine Corps Museum. So on November 4th, 1945, there was a baseball game played between occupying American Marines and the Japanese. And if, if you're a history buff, you realize that November 4th, 1945 was just a few months removed from VJ Day, a few months removed from the attacks, the, the nuclear bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. This was not the only game to be played between USGIs and the Japanese. But what I love about it is it really kind of shows that healing element that baseball brings. Baseball is a nice game. At the time, it was the most popular sport in both countries. And I think it really served to help ease some of the wounds, remove some of the pain from what was a long and bloody conflict. Obviously, the Japanese could have easily been 
completely uncomfortable with the presence of American GIs on their soil. And obviously, a lot of Americans might have been angry at all their buddies lost in the war. And yet somehow this game of baseball helped dial some of that tension down. So I think it goes back to the main premise that we've had of this show, that baseball is a thing that can unite people and bring people together. Now, that is our episode for this week. We'll be back next week coming to you from the Frisco Rough Riders, and we're going to have a very special guest. So until then, while there is no minor league baseball to watch on Memorial Day because it's a Monday, if you can get out to a pro game, get out there. Make sure you remember that flag and what it stands for for those people who lost someone in combat. And make sure that you get you some peanuts, get you some Cracker Jack, and let's get to Let's Get Two is presented by Twitchy Dolphin Media. Executive produced by Jessica Bybee Jedgets. Produced by Andy Tomchesson, Scott McIntyre, and James Christopher. Associate producers Andrew Nelson, Timothy Jedgets, and Jess Canaster. Music by Andy Bertelson, Grace Usselman, and On Holiday. All content created by Let's Get Two is the sole property of Twitchy Dolphin Media. All content created by teams covered in the episode are the sole property of the trademark holders. Let's Get Two is a proud member of Curved Brim Media. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, I'm James Christopher, host of Let's Get Two, and we are going to be taking you on a tour of this great country through the lens of minor league baseball. That's right, from sea to shining sea, we're going to be looking at towns big and small as we explore the greatest game ever invented. This is Patrick. And Corey. Oh, BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball, so get on the site and find a team near you today. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna Tomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. And I'm Paul Caputo. I tell the story of America, one minor league baseball logo and nickname at a time on the Baseball by Design podcast. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.